this series presents information based in part on theory and conjecture. The facts that will be presented are true. Scientists representing the world's foremost research centers took part in the examination of the evidence. Chris, I'm Chad, and together we're a paranormal guys. So what's new, Chadwick? Oh, it's another day. <laughs> another dollar? Another dollar. Enough to make you holler. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. True. Wow. No, not much. <laughs> uh, I've been playing Bachelor the last few days, so yeah, that's been okay. Like giving random roses to people? What? No, no. Oh. Um, Katrina went on a trip with her. Mom and her sister to Georgia. Oh. It's just been me and the... Uh, <laughs> I love you, Katrina. It's just been me and the little dogs and the fish for a few days. Yep. That's about it, really. How about you? Hey, same old, same old. Yeah. Won't be too much longer till I'm not as uh, free as I am right now. Oh, getting locked down? Yep. Mm. Getting back in the old uh, working world. Oh, well. <laughs> too bad. Well, not really, because money's nice. Oh, well, I mean, it was a no-pay vacation. Yeah. <laughs> Chad, that's what's going on with us now mm-hmm. with uh, a little bit more podcast-related news. Yes. You have a couple uh, campaigns running right now that are touch the pulse of current society. I do. If you follow us on Facebook, as you should, or <laughs> if you go to Booster... We actually have some really nice shirts that you can get. Uh, we're trying to raise a little money for the show so we can invest into uh, getting a few more projects going, uh, paying for trips to conventions, and uh, just to give you more paranormal guys content. We have some shirts that, of course, make sure that you remember the tragedy that was the Bowling Green <clears throat> Massacre. Right. And uh, so there are three shirts you can choose from, uh, two graphics. Uh, which uh, Chris did get together after I came up with some ideas. And uh, really, if you can, take a look at them. If you want to get you a cool shirt and put a little money towards the show, we would greatly appreciate it. We would. Mm-hmm. And I think I am going to put my two cents in on the uh, bowling ball one. Oh, okay. I kind of like that one. Yeah, the bowling ball's nice. One other thing, I, I, I noticed you posted this the other day on our Facebook page, uh, was who was it? Was it Ken Gerhard put together that list of paranormal related conferences for 2017? Yes, sir. He sure did. And one thing I'm going to do is I'm going to start better utilizing our news section on the web page. 
And I'm going to start trying to put anything you put up on Facebook that is kind of a little informative little tidbit like that up Mm -hmm. on the news section. Oh, well, good. So that way, probably by the time this drops, I'll have that list up there of all the, not all, but a very comprehensive list of uh, the 2017 paranormal conferences around the country. It is a good list. And and this is going to be the first year for CryptidCon. Yes, it is. In Frankfort, Kentucky. And we will be there. Yes, we will. Yay. One other thing, uh, we are continuing to update the YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. I think we are up to, what, episode 13 yes. on the channel now? Yes, sir. And we will keep uh, updating that as we go. So we'll keep that current once we get to that point. Yep. And uh, also the uh, Small Town Monsters guys they uh, that are putting together the Mothman uh documentary and their new documentary they're going to do right after that they started their um, kickstarter campaign and they did reach their goal and they're going for some stretch goals you if you uh get on there and donate a little money to them you can get uh, some really nice packages that they're doing uh one of them actually you'll get a mothman statue from gene st gene that does the creature replica figures so if you get a chance check that out too small town monsters where's the french say jean Saint Jean. Uh huh. Yes. And one last little tidbit of new, of paranormal guys news before we go into paro news stories, Chad. Yes, sir. We uh, are going to have an interview coming up soon. Mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure what show that'll drop on, but it'll either be the next show or well, it'll be in the next couple shows. Okay. Uh, we have author Sylvia Schultz. Sylvia Schultz. Uh, yes, going to uh, talk with us a little bit about her newest book she has out called 44 years of darkness yes i have seen this book so that's what's going on in the world of paranormal guys chad what's going on in the regular world oh you want to hear a little coming up the paro news stories well there you go let me get let me pull the desk over here to me since it's so close now Exactly. Now, do you remember uh, we talked about the gentleman who followed the seven miles seven of miles. Bigfoot tracks? I do. Well, we've got an update for that. Uh-oh. It's very exciting. He followed seven more miles. Oh. <laughs> he would walk seven more just to be the man just who, to be the man who, who walked 14 follows miles Sasquatch home for you. fell down at Sasquatch's <laughs> door. All right. This comes to us from Mysterious Universe. He is all furry. <laughs> he's, he's a squatcher. <laughs> There's new evidence that emerges in North Dakota Bigfoot encounter. Christmas this year brought an unlikely visitor to Dickey County, (laughs) North Dakota. That night, a hairy monster, some believe to be an actual Sasquatch, leered at an Ellendale woman through her kitchen window. Shocked, as I think we all would be, she called a family friend, Christopher Bauer, to investigate. Bauer, and he is an experienced woodsman, tracked this individual for seven miles through the snowy landscape Confident he was hot on the trail of Bigfoot. But now new details have emerged to disprove the idea of this monstrous Christmas creep. Well, interviewed on location (laughs) by the Waday, or W-D-A-Y. I like Waday. Um, They're on your side. Fargo News Station. Waday, is it, Chad? It's time. It's Waday for the news. Uh, Christopher Bauer walked the reporter through his discovery. That night he found 18-inch long, 8-inch wide footprints around the woman's home. These deep impressions were spaced four feet apart for seven miles. He tracked hundreds of these prints all through the Ellendale farmland and across the highway until they faded upon a faraway hillside. 
The story rose into the echelons of the national news circuit. Unfortunately, questions remained after this amazing discovery. The world screamed Sasquatch, but not everything added up. Sasquatch! Sasquatch! Now an anonymous letter and photo of homemade Bigfoot stompers. They take those little double-A batteries. <laughs> yes. WDAY sheds light on the events of that night. The author of that letter, Bowers Bigfoot. The author, who admits to being drunk on his midnight romp, mm. uh, says the prints were intended to prank friends in the area, not to hoax the world. Though not published online, WDAY provided an image capture of the letter explaining the man's motive and technique. Let's see here. <clears throat> I had screwed those wooden feet to an old pair of shoes. I then walked on the wheel tracks on the road to the farm, knowing full well traffic would erase any sign of how I approached and left. Now, Chad, I need to stop you right here. Uh -huh. I believe you're going for lower latitude. What is North Dakota? Accent when I believe our story is in North Dakota, uh, well, which would be much more Minnesotan. Minnesotan? Yeah. Oh, well, I think I can do that. You know, you've seen Fargo. <clears throat> okay, well, we'll start over. Oh, yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. uh, take two. I had screwed those wooden feet to an old pair of shoes. Oh, yeah, you I say. then walked on the wheel tracks on the road to the farm, knowing well, full well traffic would erase any signs of how I approached and left. Oh, you know they would. <clears throat> well, once at the farmstead, I noticed the lights on the house and tried to see if anyone was up, but the shade was pulled. They were probably uh, cleaning those walleye they had just caught but out in the lake, were. yeah. Yeah. I decided I was there, so I just might as well finish. Well, after... Oh, wait a minute. No, that's not what he was doing. Lights or not, I walked around the house trying to leave the prints in what little snow that was there. As I was crossing in the front of the house, I noticed my friend's female friend walk past the window. Which she, was odd. You know, There we had a... There's not a lot of snow this year, yeah? No, it was in a nook. Yeah, hey? Yeah, Chinook. Uh, she happened to look out the window and I froze. Oh, no. Busted, I thought. She looked directly at me, it seemed, and then quickly turned and went back the way she came, and I took off. Bauer holds strong believing that the letter is a hoax, that there's no way the tracks could have been faked, as they were double the stride of an average human for seven full miles. And I would like to point out that if he was really drunk and everything, I doubt he was going to walk seven miles. Yeah, I kind of do. Uh. <laughs> He also subscribes to the idea that the letter was an attempt by cryptic agencies to cover up the encounter. Conspiracy. Effectively <laughs> casting a long shade of doubt on the events. Important details remain unanswered, including the monstrous face in the window that was supposedly just the man's bare face. <laughs> he was at the wrong Is club. Is that anything like lion face? I think he was, Lemon I think he face? was supposed to be a different club that night. Oh. With a few threads left dangling, I suspect the Bigfoot tale of Ellendale has one more chapter left. One more chapter. Mm -hmm. So, who knows, we might get that part three right. we've been wanting. You know what I think this is? I, th I think it's a classic example of what the modern day man in black has turned into. You think so? Yeah, instead of wearing the suits and the sunglasses and driving up in the car and going, you didn't see anything here, mm -hmm. I think now they disguise themselves as random people this guy was like oh i was drunk and mm -hmm. i i had me a set of them bigfoot feet yeah, yeah. and we were going through the snow because you know this time of year there's lots of snow out on the lake the alcohol contributed to my bigfootery that's Sorry. right i wouldn't have done it if i hadn't been drinking a little jaeger molson molson oh canadian oh, canadian right. mist <laughs> yeah hey magic that's right that's what i'm thinking just modern man in black
Probably. You didn't see a Bigfoot. That was me. There was I no was Bigfoot drunk. The other, hey. <laughs> and thus goes our listenership from the northern mm-hmm. tier of so states. far we've we've shaved off another layer like we're whittling our stick of doom. That's right. <laughs> well, Chad, not to be outdone by you. Yes, sir. I as well have a Sasquatchy related story. Ooh, well. Claw marks may be evidence of an Alabama booger ape. The hell you say. I do say. This is from Mysterious Universe. Is Sasquatch clawing trees in Alabama? Two stars of the Bigfoot reality show Killing Bigfoot are certain the cryptid is responsible for gouging tree trunks behind a man's rural home. Hmm. Donald McDonald... Nice. And Michael Humphreys of Killing Bigfoot spoke at the, oh wow, what is that? Conica County Collar Green Festival this January. I've been there. It's a happening time. Tell you, I celebrate it. (laughs) Collar Greens. Mm -hmm. The men reside in Mississippi and Oklahoma, respectively, and took the gigs as opportunity to tour the Alabama Bigfoot scene. It's huge. They traveled south towards the Alabama-Florida panhandle border to a small rural community called Pine Orchard. There they met with a man who claimed a mysterious creature had been haunting his property with unusual howls and destructive tree grabbing. <laughs> it's the president. <laughs> I will grab that tree destructively. Mm, well. I just grab it. Wait a minute, that was a bush. I don't ask, I just grab it. <laughs> that was a bush, it wasn't the tree. After investigating a branch nest overlooking the wooden bottom and analyzing the spacing, height, and depth of the markings, McDonald identified a Bigfoot as the likely culprit. Since we have that vast knowledge of Bigfoot scratch catalog marks. It's true. Chris, I'm appalled by your ignorance. I know you are. McDonald said, Some of those claw marks start about eight feet off the ground and go to almost 12 feet. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, there are bears in the area, but a bear, if it would have made those marks, there would have been bear claw marks on the sides of the tree where it climbed it, and there were none. Crap. It makes sense that if it was a bear, there would be bear claw marks. I mean, I'm just saying. Alabama rakes number 16th in overall Bigfoot sightings by the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization, or BFRO. Beefro. Beefro. The site lists 98 reports, including a vivid Class A encounter in nearby Conica County. In 2004, a man was driving home at a, at dusk on a private dirt road next to the Sepulga River when a monstrous, wet, six-foot-seven thing darted in front of his car. You know when a classification of Bigfoot like that is like believed to be living in a trench? You know what they call that? What? A Class A hole. <clears throat> the Beef Row Report states... Uh-huh. The witness described that it had a man-like face with very long arms. The hair was black and shaggy, and he could see the hair hanging from its hands. Zoinks! It was not thin, but muscular. Dark skin was visible on the face. It had a wide nose and a conical head. When it ran, it pumped its arms. It came from the direction of the river and appeared to be wet. (laughs) It appeared to be wet. Moist. Making it undoubtedly a Bigfoot. Disgusting Bigfoot. Did a Sasquatch or Southern counterpart, Booger or Skunk Ape, actually make deep gnash marks in that tree? Eyewitnesses rarely, if ever, describe Bigfoot-like creatures equipped with claws. Long fingernails, yes, but not full-blown monster talons. Like, 
my daughter's. I can tell you for sure it wasn't bear claw marks because there would be a sticky, frosty icing all over it. And there would be bear claw marks. Yeah. The majority of believers on and on-the-fence skeptics consider the Bigfoot species to either be a large primate, an offshoot of Gigantopithecus, or a feral humanoid, like a rabid Native American. Wow. Well, that's kind <laughs> of... <laughs> well, We're just going to throw that out there, rabid Native American. Pigeonhole. And... So they're, they have that tendency to go rabid. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, feral so... Native Americans out near the casino. <laughs> Why don't you just throw that in there, too? Yeah. Drinking their fire water. <laughs> Racist Man, much? Like, throw some more negative stereotypes in there. <laughs> wow. So whether it's a giant ape or a rough man, <laughs> that means these things are probably primates. Primates don't have claws. Mm-hmm. The presence of fingernails, like opposable thumbs, are distinguishing characteristics of great apes. Or grape apes. Grape apes. Even though an individual the size of Sasquatch could mark a tree up that high, why would it? Why would it dig its fingernails into anything? That would hurt. Nails are essentially tools for gripping and grabbing objects. They likely helped early humans pick and gather small food like berries, nuts, insects, and flowers. McDonald is certain no other animal could have made those marks. Unfortunately, with the given facts, one must point at known dominant predators that live in the region. The Florida black bear or the Florida panther. Regardless of region, both animals can potentially grow quite large. They love climbing trees and possess formidable claws more than capable of digging deep into a tree's damp, mossy wood. Even a bear panther of moderate size would slice into that moss-like butter, likely creating an embellishing gouge that grabbed the eye of the researchers in the first place. On paper, all the evidence seems to point to a bear or cougar, and the killing Bigfoot gents just missed evidence of the climb marks on the sides. But simply, they were there and devoted meaningful analysis to the evidence. Maybe a Bigfoot fell off the tree and dug its nails into the barks to catch itself. Sure. No one will ever really know. Repeated sightings in the area fortify the Bigfoot theory. And Alabama is becoming another southern Sasquatch hotspot we should all keep our eyes on. Wow. Alabama. Sweet home. Mm-hmm. Sasquatch. So there you go, Chad. It, bear, cougar. Booger ape, scratching trees. Mm-hmm. Sounds all very plausible. I go out and scratch trees. Wait, I scratch myself on trees. Same sometimes. difference. Yeah. Squirrels. Booger ape. I mean, I'd take a booger ape over eight boogers any day. Oh, but anyway, Chad, that's your Paro News stories for mm-hmm. today's show. Magic. You can come back over from the desk. All right, hold on. All right, I'm back. So, coming up on tonight's show, Chad, yes, we have the first part of what may turn into a two-part show. Uh-huh. You've heard of ley lines, right? Um, in Germany. Okay. Did you know that there are a handful of other planetary grid systems? Really? That's what we're talking about tonight. Wow.
And welcome back. Hello, hello. As we said before the break tonight, we are talking about planetary grid systems and lines and whatnot. Complicated. On a coming up show, we'll probably finish this as a part two, and we'll talk about some of the sacred sites that are related to those lines. Mm, what an intriguing web you weave, sir. And of course, you know, ley lines. That's the most popular one of these. Everybody's probably heard of that. Mm-hmm. But there are a few others, and then there's a little bit of history that goes into it, too. And the first of that would be Platonic Solids, Chad. Plato. Mm-hmm. Plato, not Plato. Oh, I got. I thought we were going to make some spaghetti for a second. <laughs> no, Platonic Solids are prominent in the philosophy of Plato, their namesake. Plato wrote about them in the dialogue Timaeus around 360 B.C., in which he associated each of the four classical elements, earth, air, water, and fire, with a regular solid. Earth was associated with a cube, air with the octahedron, water with the icosahedron, and fire with the tetrahedron. There was intuitive justification for these associations. The heat of fire feels sharp and stabbing, like a little tetrahedra. Oh. <laughs> air is made of the octahedron. Its minuscule components are so smooth that one can barely feel it. Water, the icosahedron, flows out of one's hand when picked up as if it is made of tiny little balls. Godzilla fought all three of those. I think he did. I'm pretty sure. I think they're on Monster Island now. Mm -hmm. By contrast, a highly non-spherical solid, the hexahedron, cube, represents Earth. These clumsy little solids cause dirt to crumble and break and just get into all kinds of hijinks. Little dirty turds. <laughs> when they're picked up in stark difference to the smooth flow of water. Moreover, the cubes being the only regular solid that... Tessellates. Isn't that from the Avengers? I think so. Isn't that what Loki had? The Tessellate cube. <laughs> it's got one of the uh, the Infinity Stones, doesn't it? I think somebody tried to hit Hulk in those to stop him. Tried to hit him right in his Tessellates. <laughs> The cubes being the only regular solid that tessellates Euclidean space was believed to cause the solidity of the Earth. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Well, they've lost a lot of people right now. Of the fifth Platonic solid, the dodecahedron, Plato obscurely remarks, the god used it for arranging the constellations on the whole heaven. Aristotle added a fifth element, ether, and postulated that the heavens were made of this element and had parties with inhaling it. He had no interest in matching it with Plato's fifth solid. Well, hmm. So it was Aristotle that came up with uh, the band Ghost. Yeah, there you go. He had an ether. And then, you know, <laughs> according to the Guardians of the Galaxy and Thanos, then we have the planetary energetic grid theory. Exactly. <laughs> planetary energetic grid theory falls under the heading of pseudoscience. I think that's Dead Mouse's new album. Pseudoscience? No, planetary Ooh. energetic grid theory. I think, yeah, I think FMLAO actually had written a song and uh. they broke up or something. I don't know. <laughs> anyway. Yep. Uh, it operates through geometric patterns called sacred geometry. Grids meet at various intersecting points, forming a grid or the matrix. <gasps> Not that Keanu Reeves stuff. Oh. I think Optimus Prime has. Oh, oh the yeah. matrix of uh, leadership? Leadership, yeah. Okay. This is the equivalent to the acupressure points on our bodies. These grid points can be found at some of the strongest power places on the planet. Planet. Now, the funny thing about this, when I was looking up the things for the show and doing some research, the planetary energetic grid theory, if you look at the 
supposed map of those, uh-huh. you have to almost try to not be on a grid line. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of them. They're, They're everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> so every, everything's on a grid line and everything's sacred. Well, we're going to have to make more of those big metal marker signs that they have everywhere. I think the tree in my front yard is a sacred site. Is that a, a ley line grid tree? It's an energetic planetary, planetary intergalactic something. Something that came from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Moving on. Yes. Chad, we uh, come up with the Becker Hoggins grid. <laughs> Delicious. Mm. Ice cream aplenty. It's big in Germany. Mm-hmm. Bill Becker and Beth Hoggins discussed the code of the platonic solids positions on Earth, attributing this discovery to the work of Ivan P. Sanderson, who was the first to make a case for the structure of the icosahedron network in the Earth. He did this by locating what he referred to as vile vortices, Mm, which if you're a regular listener to Paranormal Guys, you know we covered that. If you'd like to know about vile vortices and want to learn more, Tune in to another episode of Paranormal Guys. Somewhere between 15 and 20. Exactly. Which refers to a claim that there are 12 geometrically distributed geographic areas that are alleged to have the same mysterious qualities popularly associated with the Bermuda Triangle, the Devil's Sea near Japan, and the South Atlantic Anomaly. Becker and Hagen's attention was drawn to this research through the work of Chris Bird, who published Planetary Grid in the New Age Journal in May of 1975. After meeting with Bird, they completed their grid, making it compatible with all the platonic solids by inserting a creation from Buckminster Fuller's work. They proposed that the planetary grid map outlined by the Russian team Goncharov, Morozov, and Marakov Your pronunciations may vary. Mm -hmm. Is essentially correct with its overall organization anchored to the north and I just got the stupid three stooges thing just in. <laughs> You're focused. It's gonna I be am. focused. It just sunk into my head slowly and I was like, hey Chad just did a, a curly thing. <laughs> but anyway, uh yeah, their map is essentially correct, with its overall organization anchored to the north and south axial poles and the Great Pyramid at Giza. They believed the Russian map lacked completedness, which led them to overlaying a complex, icosahedrally derived spherical polyhedron developed by R. Buckminster Fuller. Mm-hmm. In his book Synergies Two, he called it the composite of primary and secondary icosahedron great circle sets. Hey, Morozov! <laughs> wow. <sighs> I I have no idea what most of that even meant mm-hmm. other than some Russians drew some lines and then these guys said, well, no, it's not complete. We're going to draw a few more lines. And bam, here's a grid and it has something to do with Buckminster Fuller, right? I feel like this is going to be the episode that people go to sleep to. They could go to Yeah, <sighs> play this one while you're uh, going to bed. The soothing tones of whatever. <laughs> Oh, all right. Well, then we have the Hartman lines. Mm. Mm-hmm. Favorite on Saturday Night Live. Also <laughs> referred to as the Hartman net consists of naturally occurring charged lines running north to south and east to west. It's named after Dr. Ernst Hartmann, a well-regarded German medical doctor who first described it soon after the Second World War. Alternate lines are usually positively and negatively charged, so where the lines intersect, it is possible to have Double positive charges, 
and double negative charges. Impossible. Or one positive and one negative charge. <laughs> it is the intersections that are seen to be a source of potential problems. Hmm. The Hartman net appears as a structure of radiations rising vertically from the ground like invisible radioactive walls. Each 21 centimeters or 9 inches wide, the grid is magnetically oriented. From north to south, they are encountered at intervals of 2 meters or 6 feet 6 inches. While from east to west, they are 2.5 meters, 8 feet apart. Between these geometric lines lies a neutral zone. That's where the Klingons can't go. Mm -hmm. An unperturbed microclimate. This network penetrates everywhere, whether over open ground or through dwellings. The Hartman net has also been defined using the Chinese terms of yin and yang. Well then. The yin, north-south lines, is a cold energy, which acts slowly, corresponds to winter, is related to the cramps, rock on, humidity, and all forms of rheumatism. Well. The yang, what? east to west lines, oh. <laughs> is hot, dry, rapidly acting energy. It is related to fire and is linked to inflammations. Must be something to do with your foot. You got yang I think problems I'm on a yang. I think I'm on a yang line. Mm -hmm. The points formed by the <laughs> intersection of these lines, whether positive or negative, are dynamic environments sensitive to the rhythms of the hours and the seasons. Well then, coming so, up next in the uh, crazy grids of Earth, Chad, we have the curry lines. And curry? I, yes, and I hear they all float. Hmm. Well. And, like, and are quite fond of black lingerie. Wow. Earth radiation is hypothetical geophysical phenomenon described prim primarily by the German authors Manfred Curry and Ernst Hartmann. This is known as Curry Lines. <laughs> Both men describe a mystic force field that covers the Earth at regular intervals and can be detected by dowsing using a divining rod. It is not supposed to be detectable by common scientific instruments, but some still connect it to telluric currents, which are actual phenomena detectable by scientific instruments. Placing people or other living things in certain spots of the Earth radiation knots is believed to be beneficial or harmful depending on radiation flow direction. It connects to the Gaia philosophy, vitalist school, and is very popular in certain New Age circles in Europe, especially in Germany. Germany. Yeah. The Curry grid runs diagonally to the Hartmann global grid. Its lines measure between 12 and 16 inches in width and are spaced between 8 and 11.5 feet apart. Like the Hartman grid, the Curry grid also encompasses the entire Earth. Moon cycles influence the intensity of the Curry grid, and at full moon, energy levels are particularly strong where it intersects with the Hartman grid, causing further potential problems. These spots are generally seen to be more detrimental than a single crossing with the Curry or Hartman system. Some maintain that if it also crosses an underground waterway at this point, it becomes especially dangerous for people, Chad. Oh, crap. During the day, its intensity wanes, but at night, it can lead to insomnia. Experts believe that the Curry grid originates from cosmic radiation rather than radiation coming from the Earth. Sounds very Marvel-esque. Well, <laughs> what we got next there, Chad? Let's talk about the black lines. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Black lines seem to be naturally generated, although quite how is not known. They may be localized and do not form a network in the same way as Hartman and Curry lines. This could be similar in nature to the Sha, or deadly energy lines, of Chinese feng shui. Mm. They can be curved, straight, at ground level, or higher, even found in the upper levels of buildings. There have been described two types of black lines, one as 
black and depressed, <laughs> which he's been getting therapy. Good. And the other is shiny black, hard and sharp, which... Obsidian knife. That's a shib. <laughs> they could possibly represent the flow lines of a negative type of organ type of energy, as described by Wilhelm Reich. That sounds like Nazi experiments. Sounds like Nazi propaganda to me, sir. Oh, we will cause him the black lines. Mm -hmm. And they matter. (laughs) Well, they do. Not (laughs) (laughs) anti-matter. Wow. Mm -hmm. So there's the kind of obscure lines that you may or may not have ever heard of, Chad. And Mm -hmm. I still don't really know what any of them do or what they mean. I mean, for reading that, I think we could just come up with the Smith Caffrey lines. Well, there's a song about the white lines. <laughs> blow away. White lines. Blow away. So, yeah, we should come up with our own system of lines and just mm-hmm. say that they don't really do anything. They're just there. But it's the Smithery grid. On the first Tuesday of every odd numbered month in a leap year, mm-hmm. they the grass grows slightly faster on those lines. Well, on a Smithery grid line, you'll wait <clears throat> an uncomfortably long time for an ice cream. There you, exactly. On a hot day. So they're kind of negative energy lines. These can be very negative to people, especially right. smaller children. <laughs> and you could trip on them. That's right. And ants could get in your hair. All manner of mysterious things happen Strange. on the Smithery lines. <laughs> if there's fruit involved and it melts down, you could be assaulted by a bird. And where they intersect, there's either a Starbucks or a McDonald's. Or you have to go to the bathroom really bad. And there's no restroom to be found. At a Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Ooh, Starbucks bathroom. <laughs> like there's a lot of muffin movements there. Muffins. But that brings us, Chad, to the most popular system of lines on the planet that most people have heard of. Anytime you watch any any paranormal or metaphysical whatever related show on any of the channels that show such things now, somewhere in that show, someone is going to say something about Ley lines. I remember these. They were on Magnum P.I. They were? Yeah, he would come up and Higgins would be like, oh, Magnum, and he'd get that little thing of flowers and put on him. Right? Am I thinking the right thing? Wow. He'd have to wait, and the girls would come up if they came off the plane. It's because of those damn Smithery lines. Many people believe that a grid of Earth energies circles the globe, connecting important and sacred sites such as Stonehenge, Stonehenge, the Egyptian pyramids, pyramids. and the Great Wall of China. Wall of China. And in and out Burgers. <laughs> in and out Burgers. If you plot these and other sites on a map, a curious thing becomes apparent. We have a lot of monuments on the planet. Anyway, many of them can be connected by straight lines. Oh, you know, pshaw. I mean, you can kind of connect any two things with a straight line. <laughs> hmm. It's true. Were these monuments and sacred sites specifically built at those locations by ancient people with lost knowledge of unknown earth energies especially strong along these ley lines, Chad? Were they? Dianetics. <laughs> Scientology. Ooh, no, shh. <laughs> shh. <laughs> people have often found special significance in the unusual landmarks and geological features surrounding them. High mountain peaks and majestic valleys may be viewed as sacred, for example, while deep Dark caves have often been considered the domain of the underworld. The same is true for roads. In 1800s on the British Isles, many people believed in mysterious fairy paths, trails connecting connecting certain hilltops in the countryside. It was considered dangerous or, at the very least, unwise 
to walk on those paths during certain days because the wayward traveler might come upon a parade of fairies who would not take Kylie to the human interruption. We're here. (laughs) (laughs) Ley lines are apparent alignments of places of significance in the geography or culture of an area, often including man-made structures. They are in the older sense, ancient straight trackways in the British landscape, or in the newer sense, spiritual and mystical alignments of landforms. Mm-hmm. Ow. Ow. You alright? <laughs> See, that's you got me making fun of Scientology. It's already happening. Well, they'll be at your house. In his books, Early British Trackways, the old straight track, the amateur archaeologist Alfred Watkins sought to identify ancient trackways in the British landscape. Watkins later developed theories that these alignments were created for ease of overland trekking by line-of-sight navigation during Neolithic times and had persisted in the landscape over millennia. Philip Carr Gom and Richard Haygate described the origin of ley lines in their book of English magic. Alfred Watkins, a landscape photographer in Herefordshire, noticed that ancient sites seemed to be aligned with others nearby. His idea was that our ancestors built and used prominent features in the landscape as navigation points. These features included prehistoric standing stones and stone circles, barrows and mounds, delicious candies, mm-hmm. hill forts and earthworks, ancient moats, old pre-Reformation churches, old crossroads and fords, prominent hilltops and Jeez. fragments of old, straight tracks, basically anything. <laughs> Mailboxes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Random rocks in the middle of a field. Wow. There's <laughs> fence post. Watkins went on to suggest that the lines connecting these ancient sites represented old trackways or routes <laughs> that were followed in prehistoric times, prehistoric times, for the purpose of trade or religious rites. And in 1921, he coined the term ley lines to describe these alignments. Watkins himself did not <laughs> believe that there was any magical or mystical significance to ley lines. However, the authors note the idea that there is a hidden network of energy lines. Hold on, I'm going to do this again. Okay. However, the authors note the idea that there was and is a hidden network of energy lines across the earth fired the imagination of the burgeoning New Age movement, and dowsers in particular became keen on detecting lays with dowsing. Well, we enjoyed your listenership, UK. Uh-huh. <laughs> because of this New Age interest, ley lines rose from mundane origins to an entire field of study spawning books, seminars, and groups of ley line enthusiasts who gather to discuss, research, and walk the lines, usually naked. No, I I just made that up. Ley lines have also been incorporated into a variety of otherwise unrelated paranormal subjects, including dowsing, UFOs, Atlantis, crop circles, and numerology. You won't find ley lines discussed in geography or geology textbooks because they aren't real, actual, measurable things. Though scientists can find no evidence of these ley lines, they cannot be detected by magnetometers. I think Professor X had one of those. Mutants. Or magnometers. Or any other scientific device. New Agers, psychics, and others claim to be able to sense or feel their energy. Watkins' original idea of ley lines is quite valid and rather intuitive. Archaeologists have long known that on a local and regional scale, roads tend to be built in more or less straight lines, geography allowing, and since a line is the shortest distance between two points, it makes sense that important sites in a given culture would often be aligned 
not randomly placed. And as we know, leyline experts cannot agree on which sacred sites should be included as data points. Yeah. Some internationally known ancient sites are obvious choices, such as England's Stonehenge. Stonehenge. Don't wear the mask with the rock in it. Stonehenge. Egypt's Great Pyramids. Pyramids. Peru's Machu Picchu. Pikachu. They were ruins. And I Australia's... Choose. I choose you. <laughs> Ayers Rock. <laughs> but on a G'day. regional... G'day, Rock. But on a regional and local level, it's anyone's game. How big a hill counts as an important hill? Well, ask Hugh Grant. Which wells are old enough or important enough? By selectively choosing which data points to include or omit, a person can come up with any pattern he or she wishes to find. With literally tens of thousands of potential data points around the globe, it is little wonder that ley lines can be found everywhere. Possibly points include castles, or even places with castle-in-the-place name. Nice. Like White Castle. Moats, <laughs> churches, ancient mounds, ancient stones, oh. wells, crossroads, special groups of trees, and so on. Dandelions. Pretty flowers. Indeed, there are so many potential points that by chance alone connecting them will form many straight lines and seemingly significant patterns. Are they losing the like the concept of... A line between two things is a straight line. I'm, you know, I've always kind of had this, <laughs> this ley line idea. Uh-huh. And there are certain things that they'll go, and mysteriously, if you look out the west side of the building, it forms a straight line that goes 7,000 miles away and interconnects directly with this other temple that was built by... Okay, now those things, you know, I always kind of had that concept of it. But as we were looking more into this information and coming up with ley lines, <laughs> it just seems like ley lines are just, you know, Dan and Yogurt ley lines. Yeah, uh, I'm telling you, you yeah... Uh, in looking up the stuff and doing what research we do for paranormal guys shows, yes, as a lot of the uh, mystique of ley lines kind of went out the window for me. <laughs> yes, but it is very educational. <laughs> yes, it is. Mm-hmm. For example, the Great Wall of China is thousands of miles long, and surely some parts of the wall will connect with many imaginary lines drawn across the globe from another important site. A good analogy is that ley lines exist in the same way that astrological constellations exist. You can draw, or imagine, lines connecting <laughs> certain stars to form the horns of the Taurus constellation. Fine automobile. The scales of the Libra sign, or the Big Dipper. Not to be confused with the Big Bopper. But that oh, doesn't mean that those baby. points were placed there to make that pattern. The way the patterns of stars are grouped and connected is arbitrary and artificial. Not guided by anything in nature or reality, they are patterns our brains impose on the world around us. The only meaning is that which we bring to it. Lies. Uh, related is pareidolia, which is seeing faces in unusual places. Like truck stop bathrooms? I don't know. I don't think pareidolia is that because I've had some cops tell me about some of the things they walked up on. And wait a minute. In most cases... Um... I have no idea what just happened, but the locations of these supposedly significant ancient sites were not dictated by any sort of unknown earth energies, but by practical matters such as access to the building materials. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Furthermore, many of these places are natural features, such as Mount Everest and Ayers Rock. No one built or placed those locations lies there based on knowledge of earth energy lines. Everyone knows Yetis built, built Mount Everest. 
It's true. And of course, the ancient builders of Stonehenge could not have known about the existence of Everest, Machu Picchu, or other sites, and therefore could not have intentionally built the monument to intersect with the alleged ley lines emanating from those sites. I think they used a mystical ancient Google system. Also lies. (laughs) Whether ley lines exist or not, the fact that many people believe they do provides insight into the human brain's amazing capacity for finding patterns in the world around us. Wow. So there you go. Ley lines. Take them or leave them. Do they exist? They could. Do they not? I've seen a clock run off of a potato. Anything's possible. <laughs> there you go. Um, if you're still with us, those are all the various grid systems around the world. And if you're not, wake up. That's right. You need to know these things. It's true. <laughs> this may be on the next Jeopardy you watch. This will help lead you into the next step of our story. Yes. But anyway. Yes. <laughs> like I said, going into this was one of those, you watch any number of shows on the Discovery Channel, Animal Planet, Travel, whatever, that has anything to do with any kind of sacred, mystical thing, and somewhere along the line, somebody's going to say ley lines. And before I started reading up on it, I was like, okay, right, okay, energy lines, I can see it, because magnetic field, radiation, whatever. Mm-hmm. The more and more I read about how they came up with ley lines, and haagen lines, and Bill Curry lines and Tim Curry lines and black lines, unemployment lines, unemployment lines, welfare lines. Well, I got to thinking, this is just like a bunch of people that went, Hey, you know what? (laughs) We can draw lines between these things. Well, not, you know, and even though Chris and I are talking about the lines, there's kind of some ridiculous thoughts behind the way you locate them and things. Not to completely dispel them, because ley lines are still a fascinating subject, and I do encourage people to still look into some odd stories. There are some unusual occurrences. Oh, yeah, definitely. some very strange things that go on at these supposed intersection. Yeah, there there are a handful of them out there, yeah, mm-hmm. where what we glanced over is just the, hey, here's here's what they are, here's kind of the history of them. Yeah. But if you really get into reading about some of them, especially ley lines themselves, yeah, they're... There's a handful of things out there that are a little bit, little bit odd. Yeah, and in the in the idea of some of these lines, they do talk about not being detectable by um, instruments. But on a lot of the ley lines where things where the ley lines are supposed to be, and things unusual happen, uh, instrumentation and uh, equipment always goes haywire in those places. So there right. is some sort of energy that runs through there. Energy, pure energy. Hey, Chad. Yes, sir. You know another place a lot of energy runs through? Um, the outlet on the wall. No. Where? Paranormalguys.com. That's true. It's electrifying. It's electric. Boogie, woogie, woogie. Exactly. Yeah, head on over to paranormalguys.com. That's our website. You can listen to the shows there. And as I mentioned earlier, I'll have links up to where you can subscribe to the show or find it in any number of places that you'd like to listen to it from. Mm-hmm. Give us a shout out. Send us some stories. There's uh, some pictures up on the site. And nice. there's a link to uh, how you can help the show out a little bit if you so choose to. And Chris has updated some of the uh, uh, pictures on there with uh, some of my little uh, artwork. Pieces. Right. We have at least 60% more chat artwork on the site now. That's true. <laughs> it makes it more personal. It does. 
And I think, as I also said earlier, uh, the news section, I'm going to start adding some things onto there a little bit more regularly. Uh, upcoming events, shows that we are interested in, shows we might be at. Yeah, like CryptoCon. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And anything... So I mentioned we had the an interview coming up, and any information on there, I'll put that up. Uh, links to the author's website, anything like that. Start trying to make that a little bit more informative, Chad. Good man. That's why they call it the news. Good man, sir. Good man. And one other thing you should do, other than subscribing to us on one of the many places you can and leaving an awesome comment, go on over to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash pair oat normal guys. Mm-hmm. And like us on there, Chad uh, likes to keep that updated with some interesting posts about current events in the paranormal world. Check out those t-shirts. That's right. Buy some of the Bowling Green Massacre shirts. Let people know that you will remember. The darkest day that never happened. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a documentary on Amazon right now. Is it? Yes. The darkest day. I wouldn't be surprised. How long will it be before somebody comes out with a mockumentary about the Bowling Green Massacre? Probably soon. I think the darkest day that never happened is um, something about tanning beds going bad, malfunctioning on people, isn't it? Sure. All right. Hey, while you're on our Facebook page, giving us a like and a comment on there, head on over to William Blanchard's Facebook page. Musical genius. He is. He is the gentleman that gives us uh, all the music for the show, and we greatly appreciate all he does for us. And you can find him at facebook.com slash William Blanchard Soundtrack. Have a paranormal weeks. <laughs>